Uh, right, hello uh, everybody. Welcome to today's uh, live podcast. Uh, this is Adrian Booley here. It's the 18th of November 2019. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the record highs in the stock market today and all sorts of other weird and wonderful stuff that's affecting the currency markets, the stock markets, the commodity markets. I'm here with uh, my CEO, uh, Jerry Miller. Hello. And Jerry's back from Nepal, actually. He came back over the weekend where he's climbing up to uh, base camp. A bit of a um, a distraction, Joe, but how, how did you get on? Uh, pretty good, actually. Um, sort of got a few croaky voice um, uh, um, effects, uh, but that's probably largely sitting on a, an aeroplane for 14 hours. But no, no, all good. All good. Glad to be back. Get get back in the hot seat. Uh, a good mind, a mindful experience, probably, was it? Uh, mindful and, and, and physical experience, yeah. Something else. But, uh, yeah, all good. Good, excellent. Well, let's get on with it. I'm sure people don't want to hear about that. So, um, what about this? Uh, the markets then, Jerry? I know you've been a little bit out of the loop, but um, are we going to talk about the calendar? Are we going to talk about trade war today? So, do you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah, well, record highs. Uh, US markets, extraordinary. I mean, when I left, I thought, I wonder if this is going to run out of steam pretty quickly. But here we are. Uh, what is it? The 18th? Yeah. Um, Friday. Uh, we had more positive news that propelled the market side. So this is this is the S and P. It's just extraordinary. Um, I don't know. Uh, you can come up with lots of reasons. Positive uh, um, data, um, but I think the main U.S.-China trade war or, or some sort of resolution to it. I think uh, this chap, uh, Larry Kudlow, uh, Trump's uh, economic advisor. Uh, said that negotiations were sort of on, on a phase one of a trade pact were close to agreement and I think that's what kicked it off uh, on Friday but yeah the, the, the market's been quite optimistic about that for some time hasn't it? It has and it, it seems to be the topic that keeps um, you know coming back every sort of few days doesn't it and hit, impacting the markets? Yeah I mean, uh, you know that I think the S&P was up what sort of nearly one percent Friday. That's its third consecutive record close. And the Dow Jones, I know we're not looking at the Dow Jones, which is a, a bit of a weird market that's price weighted, but that hit that went through the twenty eight thousand level. It's just extraordinary. Quite um, psychological these round numbers as well, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're, they are. But I mean, I, I left for you know Nepal, uh, and we were sort of close to the twenty seven thousand level, and here we are. A couple of weeks later and we're up another thousand points and you know I thought the 27,000 was psychological but the 28,000 before long will be at 30,000. And, and I suppose weirdly uh, with the US economy it's, it's it's really been slowing interest rates have been cut to bolster it and your equities are at record highs. Yeah yeah I know that's uh, it, I, it's sometimes quite difficult to reconcile when you when you look at what's going on you think well hang on a second data's not so good they're having to cut interest rates because the economy is slowing Trump was quite vociferous about that. He's pushed the the Federal Reserve slightly. I suppose not to be interfered with, as it were, but they've cut interest rates three times in as many meetings. Um, it doesn't sort of sound like the economy is doing well, and yet the stock market, which represents the economy, is doing well. Mm. But of course, I, I can answer that very simply by saying that um, stock markets have a, a habit of looking a lot further forward than you and I yeah. would with current events. So it's predicting uh, positive news. And also that ruddy argument, Tina, there is no alternative. <laughs> Where else do you put your money? Yeah. You know, you can't. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, we, um, 
I guess, um, what about the impact on the stock market in the UK? So we're talking about the US being uh, going to record highs. Yeah. Uh, are we putting money into the UK stock market right now? Uh, golly. Um, or, or is it that there's no alternative than the US stock market? No, well, there is no alternative. Well, the German market's doing pretty good, but no, the UK markets, we all know what's going on here now. It's uh, We're in uh, this sort of state of perder, as it were, with uh, uh, the UK ele general election on the 12th of December. So we're sort of going to be reacting to everything going on there. But uh, there is little uh, investment coming into the UK markets, as you'd expect, because there's massive amounts of uncertainty. Um, yeah, there's one thing the market likes, it's certainty. Either way, I mean, we've seen that with breaks over the last three years. For goodness yeah, sake. yeah, yeah um, we've had enough. You just want to know, don't you? And then you can react accordingly, can't you? I mean, we had a, we had a nice little sell trade on the FTSE um, just last week, actually, which went on and hit target on those Friday lows before the US market, I guess, pushed the UK market back up a little bit. So we do follow a touch, but we are definitely out of sync uh, with the US right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the shape of our, our chart looks nothing like uh, the US indices, whether it be the Dow or the S&P, or indeed the, the, the DAX. But, uh, you know, I mean, even with the positive news that we've seen over the weekend, um, I was looking recently, Adrian, at the um, spread bet markets, the political, oh, yeah. the political betting market, as it were, and there are companies that will make you a market in the number of seats that each party is going to get. Uh, and whilst I was away, in fact, I think it was sort of this time last week. I think it was Monday. It was literally a quarter of an hour before we launched the podcast. A quarter past 12 that Farage no, no, no. Uh, came out with his okay. um, he, announcement. Yeah. And that announcement being that he wasn't going to contest 347 seats or whatever it was that, that the Tories uh, uh, were going to get. Yeah. Um, and immediately the spread back markets pushed up the number of seats the Tories are expected to get to 343 at 352. So that's the bid offer spread. Let's say it's 343. That effectively, okay, the way this works, a majority in the UK Parliament is 326. Yeah? Yeah. But without Sinn Féin, they never vote. Mm -hmm. And without the Speaker's vote, it's 320. So you've now got a potential majority now, this is got to work this one out carefully. It's not 23, it's 46, of course, it's because the others the are not going around. to get it. Yeah. So, yeah. so you effectively double it, which is a, which would be a good outcome uh, if you were a Tory. Um, so you just need a majority of more than 320 seats, really. Um, is 46 a decent majority? It would be. Uh, it's something that uh, Theresa May had uh, no luxury of. Um, but you might say, well, as the markets, why aren't they buoyant on the back of that? And you could look at sterling. Sterling bounced a little bit. But I just say this is the 18th of November. Yeah, we've got, the election, yeah, we've got this 12th of December. Yeah. You've got this televised debate tomorrow and there's another one on the 29th and another one on the 6th of December. I think we've got a long way to go. Anyone trying to make up their mind about what's going to happen with this election today or tomorrow is... Uh, is really uh, running a big risk, I, I would suggest. So to ask um, uh, questions such as, you know, would the pound be more positive over Corbyn or Johnson, or what is it going to mean for the stock market? It's probably a little premature to sort of look at that, is it? I would say so, unless it was just such an obvious shoe-in. Um, I think the likelihood of Labour getting in power is, is pretty minimal. Uh, but the, the question is not Labour, it's whether the Tories managed to secure some sort of workable majority. Mm. Uh, and until we get closer to it, let's face it, the polling institutions have not had a good record. <laughs> no. um, you know, when you look at what happened with the Brexit referendum, when you look at what happened with Trump and his 
the uh, presidential election. Um, just, just the track record's not good. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, certainly, it would seem. I mean, that you know, the pound uh, certainly rallied dramatically on Monday last week um, mm. when Farage came out with his statement. So it would seem um, that that level of perhaps more certainty over a Johnson government or uh, Conservatives winning with a majority would be positive for the pound. But yeah, let's just yeah, I, I see I, how we get on. It's it, certainly been rallying this week, and the odds have shortened a lot on. Um, on the Conservative. I think I think it went from seven to one on uh, for a Conservative majority and I think it's now something like 20 to one on. Yeah and, like and I'm not surprised um, and I think it's 50 to one against on Labour but as I say these things ebb and flow and I, I, I'm reluctant to be too uh, you know uh, positive about anything really but I would say a, a Tory government would be a lot more favourable to the markets than the Labour government. The uh, the numbers that are quoted by the Labour Party in terms of their policies are just mind-boggling and, quite frankly, nuts. Mm. Uh, and I think that's why it's reflected in the uh, uh, in the spreadback market with the number of seats that the Tories and uh, the Labour Party going to are potentially going to uh, achieve. So, uh, but as I said, long time ago, uh, a, po a positive outcome is a, a Tory victory. Uh, a negative outcome for the markets is as a Labour victory. Yeah. Okay. Or indeed a hung parliament, of course. Well, yeah. Then we're, then, we, then we're back to square one as well. That's good for me. Um, okay, so what about the European markets then? So German markets um, seem strong. So what, why has that been? Um, essentially, you mentioned that, actually, because uh, let's just put up the German... Um, the DAX, market, yeah. Uh, yeah, the DAX. Maybe just compress it a bit. It almost looks like the Dow or yeah. the S&Ps, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and here we are discussing... Uh, the German market, where we had a, a negative GDP the previous quarter, Germany just scraped in with a positive GDP last week, yeah. a plus 0.1 percent. You just click on that, that's it. So uh, it's German GDP there, yeah. So 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 there we go. Um, a, a recession or a technical recession. The description of a, a recession is where an economy shrinks for two consecutive quarters. Um, so this data from last week on the on Thursday actually confounded expectations and came out at plus 0.1%. I was a bit surprised yeah. by that. Uh, yeah, we were expecting a fall of 0.1, although yeah. being preliminary, um, preliminary, struggling to say that word, uh, are we saying that this could be revised and we could end up still negative, potentially. It's it, it, quite a big difference, though, wouldn't it? But It could be. And I was a bit surprised because a lot of the data that was coming out over the last quarter was really negative. Yeah. So it's possible it could be revised, but it is only a technical recession. Going back to the chart, going back to Charting Centre, just having a look at where we are with the DAX, you'd think, hang on a second, the German economy has had, I mean, if you look at, if you look at um, some of the data on the... Um, manufacturing and this is something that's coming out this week Adrian. Yeah. Look, there's german manufacturing data just look at this this is the collapse in manufacturing pmi data that's horrendous isn't it the, 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 and then to look at the charts and think well hang on a second is that the same economy represented by the dax is suffering all these uh, the, these woes well this is down to the trade war again so we're sort of almost in the same discussion that we are with regards to the foots uh, with the, the Dow and the S&P. Why is that going higher? Well, optimism about the US-China trade war. And that's what's 
that's what's caused the big problems in Germany to a large extent. Yeah. Uh, it's collapse in export orders to the Far East and China. I mean, it's interesting when you compare because we've got you know quite a lot of this manufacturing PMI and service PMI later on this um, this week, haven't we? So you've yeah. got you know the, the the European overall is down. Yeah. So you know Germany large proportion of that obviously. Yeah, exactly. That's right. um, whereas you know the US, okay, it's not you know. It's not as high as it had been, but it's certainly not in that below 50 yeah, territory no, yet, is it? You no, know, it which that's, is, uh, and that's the important level, the 50, isn't it? That, that, that's right. The, the, the way the purchasing managers index works is that it's a survey of all the purchasing managers. And you, if you've got a positive component above 50, it means more than half the managers are reporting a positive outlook rather than a negative outlook. So, so if the number is higher than 50, it's positive. So you can contrast the US expectation at 51 and a half compared to the eurozone uh, at 46.4 which is um, yeah which is that number there so uh, there is a significant difference there Um, the eurozone is beset by a lot of structural problems that the us is not beset by Um, but i'm i'm just uh, amazed at the way the dax has climbed almost blinkered in a way yeah uh, in following the us markets and the optimism about a trade deal uh, what you've got to remember as well is when and if these trade deals are sorted out between China and the US, what's the US going to go next? It's the it's the European US auto and, auto yeah, sector. Yeah. So it's like the the next thing that happens for Germany is a is is that particular. That could be a bit painful for them, couldn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's, sure. that's a New Year present for someone. Yeah, yeah. So um, okay, so interest rates uh, three cuts uh, in a, in in however many meetings. What about um, going forward? What's um, are we, are we likely to have any more? I, what I, have we got? One more meeting this we, year? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I was thinking about it earlier on and I was sort of suggesting that there will be no more cuts uh, this year. But of course, there's only one more meeting. Uh, and we, we've got something called the FOMC minutes um, in the middle of this week, which is the minutes from the rate setting committee of the Federal Reserve, the US Central Bank. It's called the FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee. They've actually cut rates three times in as many meetings. Mm. Um, and the rates are currently at one and a half to one and three quarter or you'll notice on this yeah. chart here it says 150 to 175 uh, that's in something called basis points but just to say uh, the current rate targeted by the Federal Reserve is one and a half to one and three quarters and it ain't going to change in December yeah and the reason why it's not going to change is I think the Fed made it very clear in the last meeting that they would like to see what the effect is of these three cuts it's too quick just to keep on cutting. They want to now wait a period of time and just to see what effects it's had. And, and, and it almost seems like the stock market is, is happy with that. Yeah. It's like we've had our three cuts. Thank you, Mr. Powell. Thank you, Federal Open Market Committee. Uh, let's move on. Let's get the trade deal done and then we can really go for it. It's interesting. I mean, it's only a modest difference, really. But this time last Monday, we had a very quick look at this. And I think it was it was down at um, about five or six percent chance of a, of a cut. But now it's sort of flicked ever so slightly, really, the, the way, although it's small differences, yeah, I suppose. It, it, it's, not, it's not really meaningful, is it? No, it's not anything more than 80% is a bit of a shoo-in, really. And I, I mean, things could happen. Uh, there could be a massive stock market collapse through God knows what. But yeah. I don't see that happening, in which case the Federal Reserve will definitely sit on its hands uh, and we'll be looking at this in the new year um, okay. for further cuts. 
So, uh, all right, so look, we've got a um, couple of bits into the end of the year. We've got Thanksgiving, we've got Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Christmas, a few stocks um, in the US coming up with their results. So what, what, what are these um, seasonal factors you think that might help or affect equities? You know, it's really interesting. So, so, so you mentioned Thanksgiving, uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, so that all happens, but next Thursday is Thanksgiving. It's unusually late, isn't it? This uh, Yeah, it's, it's the last Thursday, so um, it can be uh, that way, but it certainly is late this year, which basically means uh, Cyber Monday. Is Cyber Monday? The first Monday of December, so the second of December. Okay, yeah, so Cyber Monday is the Monday following Black Friday. Uh, Black Friday, uh, the, weirdly, the name, People used to say it comes from the number of cars on the roads or whatever, but Black Friday uh, refers to the fact that in the olden days, pre the internet, was when retailers went into the black, i.e. were trading positively. So come the, you know, Thanksgiving, that's when they paid off all their costs, then the profits roll in for the next uh, sort of four or five weeks to the end of the year. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's an important event. Uh, a lot of retailers uh, are very focused at this time of the year. Uh, in the run up to Christmas, a lot of retailers generate sort of 30 to 35% of their turnover. So, and you can imagine how important that is. We've actually got a few um, retailers coming out this week, haven't we? Yeah, we have actually. Target, Macy's. Yeah, sort of, if you think Depot, by yeah, the way. Depot, I think they call <laughs> it, we don't call it Depot, a Depot, but they do. Uh, so Target, Macy's, Home Depot, uh, Foot, Locker. Foot Locker, Nordstrom, uh, Victoria's Secret. There you Gap. go. Yeah, it's a lot That's of right. them. So a lot of them coming out and uh, they're doing better. Uh, you know, a lot of, even JCPenney, who was a company that was struggling, uh, has uh, reported better, slightly better uh, results, still a loss, but it just goes to show you how consumer sentiment is a lot more positive when the stock markets rally. Yeah. Everyone looks at their 401ks, their oh, pension accounts, yeah. and, and you know, when they're on their high. Yeah. positive, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very positive sort of mood at the moment. But, uh, not always the case. Uh, remember what happened to December last year? Uh, well, yeah. Well, should we, should we very quickly look at that? Uh, let's have a look at the SPs. We'll talk to you about why I look at the S&Ps and not the Dow in a second, but uh, where are we? Yeah. Yeah. So this is October coming into November. Nice little rally into the end of November and collapse. Big collapse. And of course, it, it's it's funny because a lot of people talk about a Santa rally or a Christmas rally, which has become this thing where people start talking about it in mid-November, but actually. Historically, it's like the few days before Christmas, isn't it? Or between Christmas and New Year, isn't it? Well, actually, it, it literally is two or three days before Christmas. Yeah. But, but for some reason, the, the press get hold of it and they call a Santa rally, you know, in the, on the 3rd or 4th of December. It's complete nonsense. Yeah. It's when the markets are very thin, when a lot of people are on holiday. And people only take, you know, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, Boxing Day off. They don't, they don't take all the days off before Christmas. And it's just then that the markets... Uh, tend to get pushed up in anticipation for all the new money that comes in in the new year. Well, I think in the States, typically, they only get about it's 10 days statutory holiday a year, something like that, yeah. compared to our 20. Yeah, and they get more bank holidays, though, they, or they, federal they state do. holidays, so they, they benefit that way. But yeah, the average worker kicks off with two um, paid-for um, holidays in yeah. a week's evening, which is mm -hmm. quite, quite tough. Yeah. Uh, okay, so well, look, um, one of the things we wanted to talk about was um, a bit of a, a 
follow on from what we're talking about today is about the stock market, the US stock market at record highs. Um, and sort of where do we go from here? We talked about the VIX last week. Um, did anyone find it? Let me know in the chat, guys. You find it useful last week? We talked about the VIX. We talked about the um, sort of the sentiment side of that. Let's have a quick recap uh, of that. Um, we've we've seen the U.S. market. Let me just quickly bring the S and P's up and say it continues to uh, continue to rise. We've actually now, if I just zoom in a little bit there, we've actually seen the the VIX as from Friday uh, actually go below that sort of not exactly a magic 12 number, be a bit over egging it there. But it has now gone below 12, the low of 11.92. The lows that we talked about or the big selling moves, the big downward moves on the stock market have all started from the VIX having been below 12. Last week, uh, we hit a low of just below, uh, exactly 12, 12 dead on, 12.00. We've actually gone below that 12 number now. So that's getting us into a more interesting zone now for the VIX. Definitely, it's hit us something that's been comparable with other um, big falls. Are we going to get one just yet? I don't know. It's really hard to say. We certainly seem in the right zone in, as far as the VIX is concerned. Of course, you've got to look at the context of trade wars and so on. But it has been a crucial level in the past. We're at that level uh, right now. I guess sometimes you need a catalyst for something that's going to affect these. What? I didn't, yeah. do, do you know, I was thinking that as you were talking, I was sort of thinking, well, what unexpected event could yeah. come along? And of course, the fact is, it's unexpected. So um, yeah. we're not going to talk we don't about know, it. do we? Um, and, and the irony is, it's often good news that ends up topping out the market. Which is, which yeah, is um, well, this is something that we often sort of argue over, as it were. You know, what happens when they make an announcement about this phase one of a trade deal? Yeah. What happens then? And if there is, and, and I sort of said, it, I guess it depends what's said following the announcement, i.e., and now we're going to move on to phase two, and that's going to be this, that, and the other. But it's all a bit of a game of uh, chess, isn't it, between yeah. the two, uh, China and the US. And I think it's possible that we could have a bit of a buy on rumour, sell on fact uh, mm -hmm. reaction. Yeah. Uh, and that's you know, just for those of you who are not too sure what that means. It's basically the market anticipates all the good news of a trade agreement or a phase one of a trade agreement, hence the big move in the market up. And then you get the announcement. It's like, oh, now what? And that's when you get the, the profit taking. And that's why, paradoxically, the market will rally in anticipation. But when it gets the news, when everyone else thinks, hey, the news is positive, let me buy the market, they can't understand what's coming off. Yeah, the idea being, I suppose, if, you, if you've got a trade deal effectively done and that's deemed as positive, mm. as you move to phase one, phase two, sorry, what's likely to happen? Well, it either carries on going, which mm. we already know about, or it correct the, 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 the rails can come off and all of a yeah. sudden there is no trade deal yeah we'll come so the, the, the risk is the downside i i, I would say uh, and it's not something i'd like to how can i say plan for um i prefer to be looking at an opportunity to get long of it again yeah because um, i think the mood is sort of generally positive and, and again we talked about Agreed. seasonality this is the time when you want to start looking at getting longer the market especially into the new year it it, it, it seems like a pullback followed by a move to you know, probably new highs, especially with the, the old Tina thing we talked about earlier. But who knows? Let's not 
think too many chess no, moves no, ahead, shall we? No, sure. no, and it sounds um, too obvious to me as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it probably does. Yeah. Um, the other thing is um, client sentiment as well. I and mean, this is not something we've talked about too much, but you know, the, the, the sentiment of traders, the which way the traders are positioned is also interesting as well. You know, the, the contrarian view for that one. If I look at the markets.com um, platform here, it gives us a view of which way traders are positioned. Is anyone familiar with this? Looking at client sentiment, you can give me a quick yes or a no in the questions box, that would be great. I say one of the benefits of attending the live session, 92% of markets clients are bearish um, the the Dow, the US 30 uh, at the moment, uh, only 8% are bullish. What does that mean? Well, okay, this signal shows you how our active traders are trading this an asset. A stronger bear percentage means more traders are selling, while a stronger bull percentage means more traders are buying. This means that traders at the moment are overwhelmingly bearish uh, on the stock market. And yet, the stock market continues to climb. So what does that mean? Why is this interesting? It's interesting because historically, if you watch what people are doing here, that can give us an indication of timing as to when this market might actually fall. And that usually is when all those bears suddenly flip to bulls, and that's usually the time at which the market's then going to come down. Yeah. And it's that sort of contrarian view, because typically what traders want to do is shorter market just because it's gone up. And we typically want to be in quick. We want to be in first. We want to be the cleverest person and get out, get in on the highs. Whereas actually, usually we're better off waiting for that turning point, waiting for the more clearer uh, opportunity uh, really to come through. Um, is anyone familiar with that? Does that all make sense? Uh, let us know in the questions box. I mean, certainly I've seen this time and time again where people are typically bearish way into a run up. And then what happens is, of course, particularly when you see a move like we've seen with the S&P. Let me just bring the S&Ps up. You get to a point where, and let me just get back to the start, like we saw at the end of last week, everyone's bearish, 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 bearish. What's going to stop people from being bearish? Well, they might get stopped out of their shorts. That's going to mean they're buying. The number of people that are placing sell orders is then going to reduce because people then don't believe the market's going to go down anymore. Everyone's panicking out of their short positions, which means they're buying the market back again to close their trades out, maybe even going long because they think, God, they can't take this pain any longer and they're just going to have to go with the, with the path of least resistance, which is currently up. Whereas actually, that's usually the time when sentiment flips, and that's the time to usually to short sell. It's quite interesting when you actually talk to retail clients and you hear the words like expensive, overdone, yeah. and words like that. But what's expensive? What's expensive uh, at the beginning of uh, November, uh, November or the beginning of October is now cheap. Yeah. So it's all this relative term where people, or traders, decide that something looks too, ex too, too pricey. So that they then become almost counter-trend traders. Yeah. And, and that's why charts are useful, because this tells you that the, that the majority of uh, traders and investors and, and asset managers, they're buying the market. Yeah. It's not going down, there are more people buying it. And actually, if you look at, um, certainly the UK is slightly different, but you know, yields out there, dividend yields out there are still positive, still attractive, you know, mm -hmm. particularly against bond markets. You know, there's still good money to be made on income, dividends, and value uh, in the stock market. So as long as that remains the case. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's yeah. always interesting, of course, what happens when 
bond uh, stock markets go up, bond markets come down, and the yield goes up. Uh, so there's a there's a tipping point, but yeah. I think uh, the results in this last quarter have been quite positive. And they always beat expectations because they downgrade their own expectations. But uh, the yield on the 10-year bond uh, in the States at 1.86, something like that. So it's bounced a lot, but yeah. it's still not encouraging enough for people to get out of equities into bonds. Yeah. People want to know that the future is positive, not just now. What is the story for next year? Yeah. You know, what's going to carry on? What's And obviously... US China trade war. Any big negatives in phase two, assuming phase one gets done, phase two, it, it seems like no, that's all unraveled. The stock market will miss a beat. Yeah. But that's not yet. And we've got to wait for phase one to be agreed first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Um, we've got a few minutes. So I just want to go through a little bit of um, uh, theory, if you don't mind. And don't all log off, please. Um, so it's interesting. I, I mentioned earlier how I wanted to bring up the S&Ps rather than the Dow. Uh, does anyone understand the difference between the Dow and the S&P um, or, or any of the differences between the Dow and the S&Ps? And you can pop that into the questions box now, please, guys, if you know of any differences that are there. Um, one obvious one uh, is that the Dow is uh, made up of just 30 stocks, whereas the S&P 500 is made up of, as the name would suggest, 500 stocks. So the S&P is a much broader index. And yet, weirdly, we were discussing this earlier, is that when you hear it in commentary talking about the US stock market rising or falling, market commentators would typically talk about the Dow. And yet it's only about 30 stocks, whereas really the S&Ps is the, the much more relevant uh, index, uh, to be honest with you. The other thing that's a bit sort of weird is that they're calculated very, very differently. You have effectively two main ways of calculating um, indices. Uh, the Dow is something called a price weighted index. And what that means is that the uh, the movement in the price of the Dow is based on the movement on the, the price on the stocks. That makes sense. But the more the stock moves in price, the bigger the price, the more dollar it moves, the more it affects it. And I, again, I'm sort of saying this like that's an obvious thing as well. What I mean by that is this. Let me explain. It's probably better if I show something on here or demonstrate whilst I'm showing something. Okay, a $1 move on any stock on the Dow 30 will move the Dow by about six points, okay? What that means is we've got Apple at the top here. Apple's currently trading at about 265 bucks a share. So if that moves from 265 to 266 bucks a share, that'll move the Dow by about six points, okay? That's useful to know. But look below that American Express, that's at $120 a share. So let's call it half the price of uh, Apple. What does that mean? It means, again, that if that moves up $1, that would also move the Dow by six points. However, the difference being is that in percentage terms, American Express has to move twice as fast as Apple in order to have that six point move. Does that make sense? So a one dollar move on Apple is around about what a 0.4 percent um, uh, move. It's more than uh, double for Amex. Whereas Amex needs to move move more than double that in order to have the same impact on the Dow. All that basically means is the stocks that have the biggest impact on the movement of the Dow are the ones that have the highest share price. 
the cap the size of the company the size of the number of employees the market share anything like that is absolutely irrelevant it's all based on the size of the price the higher the price the bigger impact it's likely to have all other things being equal based on that one dollar move this is why uh, you'll see that the dow 30 which is not based on the biggest 30 stocks in the US, like a lot of people think it is. And actually, I read on one broker's platform, that's how they defined it as the biggest 30. It's not. It's based on a, it's elected by a panel. That's think, right, yeah, it? from the Standard and & Poor's and, organization. And, and, and you, there's two very big, what you would think uh, would be components that are not in the Dow. Let's have a look at the S&Ps very quickly. One of which being Amazon, which has got a $1,740 price, and also Alphabet or Google, which has got a $1,300 price uh, there. The reason for that is that they would just have a huge distortion to that because a $1 move on a $1,700 stock is nothing. Mm. It'll happen all day long. Every sort of three seconds is probably doing it. That's a bit of an exaggeration. But the point being, it would distort <clears throat> the value or the price movement of the Dow too much. So those shares are not included in the Dow 30 components. Does this all make sense? You still with me? Hopefully not. No one's too bored to tears just yet. Okay. So how is that relevant? It just means that they can move in a slightly different way. The S&Ps, by contrast, is not based on its price. It's based on the market capitalization. Jerry, what's, what does market cap mean? Basically, it's what the company's worth. It's, share, it's a number of shares issued times by the price. Um, and it is an anachronism. I, I, I might have missaid something a second ago when I said it was the S&P. It's the Dow Jones Corporation that decides the components of the Dow Jones. Um, the Standard & Poor's 500, that's what everyone references, because that is the sum of all the companies valued the top 500 companies by market cap, by value. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the irony is that news organizations, BBC, ITV, CNN, the first thing they quote is the Dow Jones. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's very old school, Yeah. but we still reference it. And I've been in the business 36 years and that's what continues to happen. Weird. Weird. Yes yeah. No. So the difference between the Dow and the S&Ps is that the S&Ps is calculated based on what's called market cap. So the size of the company, as you might think, and it makes sense for this, the companies that have the, are the biggest in size are the ones that have the biggest impact on the index movement. You can't have a company that's worth, you know, whatever Microsoft's worth, have uh, the same impact on movement or a lower impact on movement just because the share price is higher or just because, you know, the, the, the it's just another company. If you compare this, a movement in, say, uh, Microsoft, it has a weighting of 4.4% of the S&Ps. So the S&P movement is drastically affected by Microsoft because it is the biggest component and Apple and as Apple, well. And, and that's what's interesting about that. The first and second, Apple has got the same impact, but the price is a lot higher than yeah. Microsoft. And the price is irrelevant. What, because the, we were talking about that earlier, Agent, Apple have had so many stock splits. So yeah. the share price 
it, it should be above a thousand. Can and you imagine putting that in the Dow? And it is in the Dow, but it, sh it wouldn't it, be. It, it's weird because in the States, they don't usually like doing stock splits. In fact, it's quite unusual. I mean, in fact, you've got a company like Berkshire Hathaway. I mean, this is their B-class shares. Yeah. But their A-class shares are $359,000 or yeah, something yeah. a share. You struggle to buy one share later. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. But actually... It's interesting because in the US, the reason why they don't like stock splits, which then dilute the sort of the, the, the price of the share, is because well, there's a number of reasons. Number one, there seems to be this sort of um, bravado almost in having the higher share price. The higher the share price means generally the better the company is doing. It's like a badge of honor. And by having a stock split to reduce the price, people don't think it sounds as good. Also in the US, rather than like the UK, when we get charged commissions based on percentages in the US, they're charged based on cents per share. So obviously, the higher the price of the, of the stock, realistically, the lower the number of the shares that you're going to buy. So if you're buying less shares, it's going to cost you less money in commissions as well. Mm. So that's important, which means that it's going to be more actively traded, more actively invested. Berkshire Hathaway, by contrast, you know, they don't really want people trading their no, shares. No, they want investors. They want investors, longer term, long term investors that's going to hold the price to a reasonable level. Um, so it's quite an interesting uh, concept. But what, what's interesting with Microsoft here is that you've got this having a weighting of 4.4%. If I go to the bottom here, the, the lowly 500th uh, company, which is News Corp uh, here, which is still you know, a bit of a beast, that has an impact of 0.006%. That's the weighting that it makes up of the S&P 500. So just to be clear, Microsoft is 733 times bigger in market cap than News Corporation. And as you might expect, because of the size of it, it has a much bigger impact on the movement on the S&Ps. Whereas in price terms, it is quite different, but it may not necessarily be so. In fact, you've got Alliance data there at $104 a share. If they if that was in the Dow, that would have a similar movement to what, JP Morgan at 129. Correct, or Johnson and Johnson. In fact, it would have a bigger movement than ExxonMobil. Yeah, which is nuts. Yeah. But, but that's the way it operates. And you will get days when the news organizations might report the Dow being up 100 points when in fact the broad index is down. Yeah. And yeah. everyone's thinking, well, hang on, how can that be? What, what's wrong with the S&P 500? There's nothing wrong with the S&P 500. Yeah, that actually represents corporate America, the Dow Jones, yeah. and an anachronism in a way. Yeah. So that's it, really. I, I, I don't know if that's interesting or not. I certainly um, I think it's relatively interesting, but that's, uh, perhaps that says more about me than anything else. Um, <laughs> you little bookworm. <laughs> guys, that's, uh, that's going to be it from us uh, for today. So hopefully that's been a useful session. And remember, if you'd like to know more about in terms of identifying the trading opportunities, some of the opportunities we've been talking about today, then what you can do is tune into one of our live trading events. You can go to trend-signal.com and you can register on there on the right-hand side to register for an upcoming live webinar event. So get yourself booked in. But if you would like also uh, to, uh, if you're watching the recording, uh, but you would like to um, uh, register for the live, this is how you can ask questions during the live sessions. You should find somewhere or just email us in at info at trend-signal.com and we can get you booked in to attend the live sessions as well. If you're in the live one, of course, you've already done that. Uh, so that's great. That's it for me, guys. Have a wonderful week's trading. We'll be back with you uh, next week, of course, next Monday. It'll be Jerry and I uh, again. You're not yep. climbing any more no, mountains. No, no, no. I'm, done. I'm done for a while. Good. All right, yeah. then, guys. All the best and okay. catch you soon. Cheers.